0: Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me. I'm Tracy Harris, and this is At Home In My Head, the podcast that explores experience and meaning and their impact on individuals and the broader society. So today I'm doing something a little bit different. Normally, when I have a guest on, I have them fill out an agenda, and we work from the agenda. It's not a secret. We reference it during the conversation, and everybody in the audience should be aware that that's how we work. When I do an episode where it's just me talking, I normally work from a script. It's my words and I've put them down on paper and it just helps me to sort of flesh it all out as a story on paper before I talk about it, before I get on and actually read it. But I had something happen and for some reason I'm having trouble with scripting it. So I thought, let me just get on and talk about this and tell the story and get it out and we'll just see where this goes. It was a few weeks ago I had a blood donation scheduled, and I am a regular blood donor. I've surpassed 10 gallons, and this is something I've done for a very long time. I even did a past episode about what it takes to be a blood donor and how people should consider it if it's something that is a good fit for them. There are certain rules to follow if you're going to be a blood donor, and one of those is that on the morning of your donation... You should have a big breakfast and try to avoid caffeine and you make sure that you drink water. And all of this is about making sure that the blood flow goes well. I have small veins. They're very hard to hit. It's often the case that my blood draws are not a simple procedure. Someone has to go in and adjust the needle. It's not fun, but it's something that I'm kind of used to at this point. So I try to follow the rules, and I try to do the things, and I try to make sure that I've done all I can do on my end to make it as easy as possible, to get the blood flowing, to get the veins pumped, to make sure I'm hydrated. But for some reason, this last time that I went, I just didn't have it in me to eat a big breakfast. So all I had was a piece of peanut butter toast. And I also drank coffee, which is kind of a no-no. That's maybe my one thing where I do a little bit of a cheat. I'm not supposed to have caffeine, but I'm a coffee drinker. I have coffee in the morning, and I don't skip it on days when I do donations, although I do drink water and try to make sure that I get hydrated. There's also a questionnaire that you can fill out when you get to the blood center, but now they have it available online. They call it Quick Pass, and I usually try to remember to do that as well. So I filled out my quick pass form, I got my little QR code ready, and I took off and I went to the blood center. My blood draw went pretty normally. They had to adjust the needle a little bit, but once a manager came over and you know did the thing after it wasn't working for the original tech, uh, they got it flowing and everything went well. And after it was all done, we followed the normal procedure. The tech walked me over to what is called the cantina where you just sit and have cookies and orange juice or whatever you feel like having, snacks and drinks, and then you are allowed to leave after you've hung out for maybe 15 minutes and they're sure that you're you know not gonna get sick or faint or something. So I walked out to my car and I sat in the car and I left the parking lot as normal and I drove through the neighborhood and got to the street with the stoplight, got onto the highway, and drove home as normal, and I was feeling a little more wiped out. Now, I've had episodes not when I'm sitting, never when I'm sitting, never in my car, but for a while, I used to go and do casual things after the blood draw, so I might just go and do some window shopping, nothing stressful. You're not supposed to do anything stressful, no heavy lifting, no strenuous stuff, and I'm pretty good about that, too. You're supposed to lay off that for a couple days... But I used to think, well, just, you know, going and doing some shopping, that's not a big deal. I'm not pushing myself or straining myself. But I had a few episodes when I was standing where I grayed out so I didn't black out. I didn't fall down or pass out or lose consciousness, but I did lose vision. And it's almost like when you close your eyes and you push really hard on your uh, eyelids and you kind of go a little bit gray, except your eyes are open, but everything goes gray, and I just, I couldn't see. But I would sit down for a few minutes, and it would go away. So at that point, I started to learn that I'm not supposed to go and do anything after I donate. So these days, after I donate, I just tend to go straight home. So on this day, I was just heading straight home, and on the corner, before you get to my neighborhood, there's this Burger King. And the Burger King is situated... At a corner of a pretty major intersection and the highway and an access road and if you don't live somewhere where there are access roads an access road is just a side road that follows all the way along a highway so you're you got the highway going you know north to south and then you've got an access road on either side you know one goes north one goes south and you can get on and off the highway using this access road, and then sort of ease yourself into whatever you want to get into, whether it's businesses or residences. So you've got the highway, the access road, and then sort of the capillary, you know, roads that are going to take you into wherever you need to go. So in this case, I would exit the highway, go under the overpass, kind of doing a, a Uee under the highway. There would be a Burger King on my right-hand side and the highway on my left. And the Burger King was one of many restaurants that are along the frontage road or along this access road. And when you pull in, there's then a parking lot. And on the other end of that parking lot or the other side of that parking lot, if you keep going, is a strip mall. So just picture a strip mall that has like a big kind of convoluted parking lot. And then at the end of the parking lot toward where the highway is, toward where that access road is, there are restaurants and things. So it's sort of like the parking lot itself is sandwiched between these businesses. From the access road, there are a lot of roads that go into this strip mall. It's a very long strip mall. It goes for several blocks. And so you can sort of enter it in many points along the access road. But I pulled in at the Burger King and I was still sitting in my car and I ordered my lunch because I wanted to get something more robust than peanut butter toast. I was feeling very wiped out. Like I say, not like I was in danger or not like I was going to get sick or anything like that, but just super sluggish. Just like, I just want to go home, eat my food and do nothing. And I have to talk a little bit about this parking lot because this is one that's near the house. And just to give you some context for it, when I told my roommate this story later on, I mentioned that I had been at the Burger King, and that I was in the parking lot with the Burger King, and he said, which Burger King? And I said, the one that's right up on the corner at the access road. And his response before he heard any of this story was, oh man, I hate that parking lot. I don't think I've ever been through it when I haven't had a near collision with somebody. It's not a straight shot, so it's not like a grid. It's very windy and curvy. I don't know why they designed it this way, but, you know, you start at one end and you just kind of have to twist around, twist around, twist around to get where you're going. There's all these cars coming in from the access road. There's all these cars that are exiting onto those turn-ins from the restaurants. And then you've got cars that are coming in and out of the businesses on the far side of the parking lot away from the access road. So there is a lot of traffic activity in this particular parking lot. It's not a parking lot that I feel super comfortable in. Like, I don't particularly like to drive in it because you have to be very careful. You have to watch for cars coming and going in all different areas of the road. And so I understand that this particular parking lot requires a lot of vigilance and care while you're driving through it. But there's something about my personality that, you know, it's just something I have to explain for the story. Sometimes the convoluted route is actually the route that I prefer. So I'm that person that takes the scenic route, even when there's a straight shot available. I'm not the let's save time person. Now, I could have worked my way back out to the access road and done that several blocks and then turned into the neighborhood that is adjacent to my neighborhood and kind of wound around and gone in that way. But instead, I was kind of like in for a penny, in for a pound. I'm well into the parking lot at this point. I've gone into the Burger King. I've come out into the main section of the parking lot. The strip mall is a little bit, you know, over to my right now. And I need to head through this parking lot. Now, to be honest, I had forgotten exactly how long this thing was until I started to really make my way through it. But as I'm making my way through it, I'm having to stop, I'm having to pay attention, there are cars coming and going. Even though it's technically still a Saturday morning, there's still a lot of activity in the parking lot, like more than I would have expected, and I am apprehensive but not terrorized or anything like that like I it's not like I don't feel like I can do it it's just like one of these things where you just I'm like I just need to take my time which is actually fine because today I do not feel like rushing I am so just whipped and okay letting everybody else have the right of way I'm not gonna fight somebody for who stopped first this is just like you know y'all can have it I'm just I just want to get home and eat my burger so I'm just carefully winding through the parking lot and I get to this one point where I see a big gray truck backing out from the businesses. Now, to give you keep, keep it oriented, this is on my right. So the truck is on my right and then there's like parking lot on my left and then access road behind that and then the highway. So this car is backing out and I'm coming up and it's not anything I'm worried about. Like I see the guy backing out and I assume that when he sees me, he'll kind of pause and then I can keep going. But as I'm getting closer, I'm starting to wonder, does this person see me? Because he's still kind of backing out. He's not like backing out super fast, but he's backing out slowly. And I'm kind of like, when is he going to see me? And I'm driving so slowly that I'm not worried. I know that if he doesn't see me, I can stop. But he sees me kind of at a point where I guess it stressed him out because I saw the truck really stop hard so I know that he was backing out he wasn't expecting me he wasn't looking and then he must have seen me kind of at where he thought was like a last second kind of panicked him a little bit And he slammed on his brakes, even though there was not going to be a collision, but I saw that he had stopped and I recognized that he had seen me. So instead of me stopping and just letting him proceed, I just swerved around him and kept going through the parking lot and just figured he can back out now and do whatever he's doing. But ahead of me, I could see that I still had quite a few blocks to go before I was out of the parking lot. So I'm just like, whatever, meandering my way down the parking lot. And I see the truck. After it pulls out, it's turned in my direction and it starts meandering as well through the parking lot. And the reason I noticed this is because if this is a person doing business in this strip mall... There are really high odds that the easiest way for them to get back to wherever they need to be, like to go home or to go about their business, is to get onto the access road. That is definitely the quick way to get wherever you're going. Meandering through the parking lot is really doesn't make any sense. It doesn't even make any sense that I'm doing it except I just kind of felt like staying in the parking lot and not going back onto the road. But to see somebody else do it is, is kind of weird. So I took note of the fact that this person was also doing this weird scenic thing for reasons and that that's unusual. And so that part of my brain that is vigilant says, is this person coming after you? And then the part of my brain that doesn't like to think anything negative is just says, ah, they probably just... You know live in the neighborhood they're probably going into the neighborhood so they don't want to get onto the access road because they're just going to exit into the neighborhood just like you're doing so i get to the end of the parking lot where there is just sort of this small stretch of road that on one end is the access road where you exit head on out to the highway and on the other side on my right is it goes into a neighborhood And it's not my neighborhood, but it's adjacent to my neighborhood. So I tend to just wind my way through there. It's a very beautiful location. It's a golf course neighborhood. It's got a lot of really big, pretty homes. And I just enjoy the views. So I'm just relaxing and want to see the the pretty views and get myself home. So I take a right. And as I'm driving, I'm looking in my rearview mirror. And I notice that the truck finally gets to the end of the parking lot pulls out, turns right. So it's coming my direction. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm sure that it's just like I thought before. They probably live in this neighborhood. They're probably just heading home. But I can't shake this feeling that this person is tailing me. So I then see that there's a road that I wouldn't normally take, but it's the side street, the very first side street. And I thought, let me just turn down a wacky little side street here and See what they do, so I just took the first side street, and they took the first side street. And I said to myself, "This person is tailing me. They have an issue with with whatever went on in the parking lot. They're not happy." And at that point, I started to think, "Do I need to call 911? Should I be getting my phone out? Should I be con- like, how concerned should I be here?" And as I'm wondering about whether or not I should get my phone out, whether I should call 911, I remember that there are. A handful of volunteer fire departments in this area. And I thought, let me just get to a volunteer fire department and pull in. And at least I'm in a space where there are first responders. If this person you know, is very upset, if this goes south, I don't know what's going on with them. But at this point, I don't think that they are trying to tell me that I have a tail light out. I'm concerned that this is somebody who, I don't know what upset them about that Interaction in the parking lot, but something has upset this person. So I get to the stop sign where this street dead ends into a cross street. And as I look to my left, I see a car coming. They're far enough away that I can pull out, but the other car behind me, the gray truck behind me, probably won't have time. So I thought, at least this is an opportunity to put a car between us. You know, get somebody in between us, and maybe that will calm them down. They see another person, so I pull through the stop sign. And the gray truck doesn't even stop, just turns right behind me. So this person is on my butt. And now I'm like, okay, they, they've they just run a stop sign in order to stay right behind me. And I don't know what happened to that other car that was coming. I don't know if it turned into another street or what occurred, but I didn't see that car anymore. So as I'm coming down that street, I know I'm coming to another T intersection. I'm going to have to stop and there's a T intersection there. And I'm trying to, in my head, mentally think of like, what is the quickest route to get to the volunteer fire department? And as I'm thinking this, I see the truck behind me start swerving all around. Like they are not just tailgating me, but like, you know, fishtailing it. And they are just back and forth, back and forth. They are letting me know that they have a problem. So, I get to the stop sign, and now this is just a normal residential street at this point. So, you have one lane that goes to a stop sign at this T intersection, which is the right lane that I'm in, and you have the other lane on my left, which is for traffic coming into the neighborhood. And this gray truck pulls right up next to me on my driver's side, where he is now sitting in the lane where incoming traffic would come, and he clearly does not care. His window is down, and I know that he wants a confrontation. I have no idea what's going to happen, but I feel like if I try to proceed through this stop sign, this is not a person who is rational. It's not a person I want to engage, but I don't think at this point it's safe to even proceed. Like, I'm not convinced that if I go, this person isn't going to just cut me off, like speed in front of me and just, you know, cut me off in the lane and, and trap me in that lane. So I roll down my window, and I'm not saying that this was the best thing to do. In fact, other people were like, why did you roll your window down? But I did what I did, and I rolled down the window. And before I can get a word out, the guy screams. Are you effing kidding me? 45 miles an hour in a parking lot? And this really surprised me, because of all the things I could even dream that might have upset him, accusing me of speeding in a parking lot where I know I was not speeding was a really strange thing to hear come out of his mouth. Now, I don't want to give people the wrong impression. I'm not saying that I am a saint on the roads, that I have never sped. In fact, I've gotten several speeding tickets in my life, so I'm not saying that I don't speed, and I don't speed now like I did when I was younger. So for me, five, ten miles an hour over the speed limit is where I start to worry that I'm going way too fast. I am definitely not what anyone would call a speeder at this point in my life, although I totally own that I had speeding tickets when I was younger. Additionally, I'm not going to pretend that I am the safest and best driver on the road. There have been times when I have Uh, For example, I once ran literally a red light and was horrified to realize that I had done it, and luckily the driver that had the green realized what had happened and stopped short so that they avoided the accident that I would have caused. So I'm not the person that's here to say, there's no way I did anything wrong on the road. I do wrong things on the road. But there are times when you think you may have done a thing, and then there are times when you know you did not do a thing. So for example, if I'm watching movies one night, and then the next morning, my roommate says, where'd you put the remote? And I say, is it not on the table? And they say, no, it's not on the table. I may think, well, why wouldn't I have put it back on the table? I'm sure I would have put it back on the table. But if it's not there and I know I was the last person watching TV, then even though I don't like to think that I put it somewhere weird, I'm going to start looking for it. And the thought in my head is going to be, what did I do with the remote after I finished watching TV last night? It's not going to be to my roommate, you must have done something with the remote. I mean, I will own that I was the last person with the remote. And even though. I don't remember leaving it somewhere weird. I clearly didn't put it back where it belonged. And so I'm, you know, guilty as charged here and I will help you find the remote. I will look for it and try to remember what I did. Like, okay, I went in to brush my teeth. Did I maybe carry it with me into the bathroom? Things like that. Like, that's a thing where I have to stop and say, this is something that I did. Clearly I must have done it. Not, you know, it's like, I, I know that this is a thing I could have done and I did do probably. And so I need to look for it. I don't think the cats, you know, it's possibly maybe the cats knocked it on the floor, but probably I just carried it somewhere. I don't remember doing it, but you know, looks like I did it. But then there's a situation where your roommate's the one watching the movies the night before. And you wake up the next day and you say, hey, where's the remote? And your roommate says, heck, I don't know. What'd you do with it? And you're like, I didn't do anything with it. You were the last one watching TV with it last night. Were you using it? Well, yeah, I was using it. But, you know, I put it back on the table. I'm sure I put it back on the table. So you must have done something with it. Well, you know, you didn't do anything with it. They were using it. You went to bed. You haven't done anything with the remote. You come out in the morning and they're telling you that you must have lost the remote. No, you didn't lose the remote. They they clearly lost the remote. So, you know, you didn't do that right? So there's the times when you're like, yeah, I don't remember doing it, but I probably absentmindedly did it. And then there are times when you're just like, no, there is no way I did this. I remember being really afraid of my then husband's circular saw. It was a handheld power tool circular saw. And that thing just, I i am not the person to use power tools. And I remember one day him coming in and saying, did you use my circular saw? And I just laughed. I was like, no, I'm terrified of that thing. Like, I would never use it. I'm, I'm scared I would hurt myself. And he's just like, well, but you know, there's something wrong with the blade here. And it looks like this has been broken. It looks like it was used on something really rough. And you know, what did you do with this thing? And I was like, I didn't touch your power saw. Like I, I'm terrified of your power. saw. I, I would never touch it. And if I did touch it, I would remember touching it. So I know that I didn't do anything with your saw. I don't even know how to use it or turn it on. I mean, I, no, I did not do this. Now, I'm sure that in his head, you know, he's got it in his head that I did something with the saw, but whatever happened, it wasn't me. And I know that I don't use that saw. I've never used that saw and I don't want to use that saw. I have an aversion to it. And it's just, sometimes there are certain things where you know that you did not do it. And this was one of them. I did not go 45 miles an hour in that parking lot. And the thought of that is ludicrous. Not only because the parking lot is intimidating, it's confusing. And so I have to be careful in that parking lot. But also, I was going through that parking lot because I was tired and ready to just meander and take my time. So speeding was not the thing. I don't know what he thought he saw, but When I tried to work it out, the best I could come up with to try and explain what it was that he thought he saw was that he wasn't looking, and when he stopped short, he was panicked, and I swerved around him, and he probably saw the swerve as kind of quick and interpreted that as me going fast, because frankly, he didn't see me coming, so he didn't see me coming fast and when I went around him, I just meandered along to the end of the parking lot. So even if he was behind me closely, which he was not, I was watching him in the rearview mirror and he was back aways. ways. It wasn't like he would be right behind me seeing how fast I was going, but I was not going 45 miles an hour. I wasn't going anything close to that. I was just taking my time, waiting for my Burger King to cool off. And I was going to drive home through the golf course neighborhood, taking my time all the way because I was in no rush that morning. So I had no explanation for why he would accuse me of something that out there, but whatever was going on was going on with him and it had nothing to do with what happened in that parking lot and that much I was sure of because the accusation was so out of left field. So I just said, I wasn't going 45, I wasn't speeding. And his response was, yes, you were. You were zooming through that parking lot. And again, I knew this to be ludicrous. And I said, no, you were backing out and you weren't looking. And you panicked when you saw me and I went around you to avoid a collision and avoid an accident and then just kept on going. And he starts to yell at me some more. And he's yelling a bunch of things. And I say, you know what? This reaction you're having right now tells me all I need to know. I'm sorry that you're having a bad day. And he responded with, I am not having a bad day. And he rages some more. And then he calls me an effing C word. And I think I must have just pulled my head back a little bit at that. And I said, oh, wow, a sexist slur. Again, you are telling me all I need to know about who I'm dealing with right now. And when that came out of my mouth, something changed with this guy. And his face went from angry rage to just sort of this weird... Fallen kind of shock. And he says to me, Oh my God, I am so sorry. You're right. And I said, It's okay. And he said, No, I'm really sorry. I am so sorry. And I said, it's all right. You know, just try to have a better rest of your day. And at that point he took off and then I took off and I went home. Now, fortunately, I think at least fortunately for me that day, I was so drained from not having eaten and having done that blood draw that I luckily didn't feel stressed or antagonized or at all traumatized or panicked. I'm not going to lie. I felt concerned, like I felt like there was a high potential here for something to go south and for me to be in danger. And I was definitely thinking, what are the logistics of trying to call 911 while also trying to keep looking at this person in my rearview mirror and drive safely? But there was a calmness with all of that, that I don't think was like a normal level of calmness. I think the calmness came from the fact that I was just physically depleted. I just don't think I had the energy to not be calm. And so I just went ahead and and went home and I kind of waited for it. I thought, well, maybe this is going to be delayed. Maybe I'll be a little bit stressed or panicked this evening It never really came though. I posted about it on social media and I talked to my roommate about it when they got home and just explained what happened. But I never really felt badly about it. And I had some further thoughts on it, just sort of disparate thoughts over time, I guess. I'm not telling this story for a reason. There is no moral to this story. There is no feeling that I handled it well. I just handled it how I handled it in that moment. And I think that I'm lucky that it worked out the way it did. But there was a huge amount of irony for a guy that is this perturbed about road safety, swerving all over the road, running a stop sign, pulling up into an oncoming traffic lane, even though I acknowledge there was no oncoming traffic at the time he did it. But this was not a guy who was exhibiting a lot of concern about safe driving, right? He was breaking lots of rules that are bad rules to break on the road. He was enraged and he was accusing me of something that was quite frankly absurd because I know I didn't do it. Something was going on with this guy and it wasn't me and it wasn't, the parking lot. It was something else entirely. And I'm not even saying, hey, have sympathy for this man, because I don't know. I mean, he could do this to somebody else, right? I don't even know. I don't, I don't know what kind of guy this is. I know that he was having a super bad day. I don't know if the behavior I saw was normal for him, was abnormal for him. No idea. No idea. I do have to say that Whatever else goes on with this guy and whatever else is going on with this guy, there is something to be said for being that level of enraged and stopping yourself in the midst of it and being able to say in that moment, I'm sorry and you're right. You know, I'm wrong. That's something a lot of people can't do, even in the best circumstances. And this guy was not in the best circumstance. He was in a really bad way, right? Something was really wrong here, and I hope the guy is okay, and I hope the rest of his day uh, he didn't treat anybody else this way, right? I mean, that, again, like, I'm not a saint, and I have dealt with uh, rage, right? So, I have, like, a a history. My family was very violent, and so, dealing with anger and coping with anger is something that I have had to come to terms with in my own life. And so I know what that feels like. I can remember when I was working through my anger issues, how like I used to just explode. And when I tried to change it, at first I'd explode. And then later I'd realize that was wrong. And then I'd have to deal with it. I would force myself to apologize to own what I did, because I had to deal with that uncomfortable ownership in order to teach myself that this was not acceptable. And this was not how you could react to a person or treat a person. Nobody is there to be your punching bag, like even if it's, you know, emotionally. And so later, as I worked on it, I started to feel it as it was happening. So I would still explode, but I would feel it while it was happening, kind of like what this guy went through, and then be able to be like, oh, you know, what am I doing here? And stop myself. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I'm screaming. And then as time went on, I started to be able to feel it coming on, right? So I'd be in the middle of a conversation, I'd start to feel that rage boiling up. And I would say to myself, now is the time to put this conversation on pause, to step aside, to go cool down somewhere, to tell somebody I need some space. I can't talk about this right now. I can't talk about this anymore. We can finish this conversation later. Whatever it takes, I have to extricate myself from this situation in order to calm myself down because I feel, I feel that boiling up and I know what happens next. And it's not like I don't still have my moments because I do. But I'm just saying that even when you get a handle on it, there's still always that potential for it, right? For that anger. And I know what it takes to stop in the middle of that and get your head back on straight and acknowledge it in that moment. And that is no small feat. And you can say to yourself, this guy is unsafe on the roads, he doesn't deserve any sympathy, fine. You know, fine, I can't disagree. I, like I said, I don't know him. I don't know what he's like. I know what he was like in that one moment. Whether that one moment represents him 90% of the time, I have no idea. But what he did was surprising. I didn't see it coming. I certainly didn't expect it. And so far, everyone that has heard this story is like, I didn't see that coming. (laughs) I didn't expect that ending. And I didn't either. I mean, I really thought in my head, the best case ending to this is that this guy just gets it out of his system, screams a bunch of abusive crap, and then he goes on his way and dies mad, right? Like That was what I was thinking was a best case scenario. But as it turned out, I got an apology and this guy seems to have, in the midst of that, become self-aware and realized that whatever it is that he's got going on in his life, it's not about this person he was screaming at. It's not about an accident that was avoided in a parking lot that was really nothing, right? Like just, oops. That's That was the level of it. It was like an oops thing. It wasn't even a, you know, I, I was sitting here thinking... I'm not angry at you and you're the one that wasn't looking, right? Like you're the one that kept backing out when I was coming down the road. You didn't have the right of way. You needed to watch for cars coming and you didn't, but I'm not pissed, right? Like that's fine with me. It's okay. We all make mistakes on the road. I've made mistakes on the road and no harm done, no harm, no foul. I went around you. It's all cool. So it was really mind blowing to me that he's the one that was that outraged. But like I say, that was my first clue that this person was mad about something else. I don't know what it was. And I don't know that there's, again, any point to this story. There is no point to this story. It was just a very weird, random thing. And I don't know if you've ever had anything like this happen to you. I don't know if you've had something happen and it turned out worse. I don't know if you had something happen and it turned out better. I don't know if you've done this to somebody. And I don't know what the value is in this story other than It was an extremely strange event. I just think it was very bizarre, and especially the way it ended. So I guess just for what it's worth, there's a strange story for you. I hope you never have an encounter like that. That's it for this episode of At Home in My Head, exploring experience and meaning in individuals and the broader society. Like and subscribe if you enjoy these talks. And in the meantime, stay safe, be well, and never stop exploring.